1: 972, And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champion. Love guarded by Keels gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb runs straight away. Here
0: are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnata. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today to get you ready for the greatest rivalry in sports. As Carolina will make the eight-mile bus ride down Tobacco Road to take on their hated... But respected rivals the Duke Blue Devils will get you up to speed on everything you need to know about Duke. We'll take a look at Carolina as they enter a all-important matchup and then we'll go over some some rivalry history, maybe talk about our favorite wins and moments in Cameron Indoor Stadium before we ultimately give our keys to the game and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod as we always do with our pod thought of the day. And we go to a former guest of the, of the then-Roy's Boys podcast, former Tar Heel basketball player, national champion, and former Carolina basketball head coach, Matt Doherty, who said after uh, a, a game against Duke in the early 2000s that said, quote, Duke still has the ugliest cheerleaders in the ACC. <laughs> you flash forward 20-some-odd years uh, later, and I think it's still safe to say that Duke still has some of the ugliest cheerleaders in the ACC. And even though the rivalry is now transitioned through Roy Williams, now through Mike uh, now through Mike Krzyzewski, the animosity between us and Duke fans has not been lost.
1: No. Um, gotta tell you, don't really pay attention to the cheerleaders during this game. There's just too much on the line. I'm more focused on my men on the court. Um, that was weird,
0: but uh, you said it, not me.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, Coach Doherty, um, Jason Capel's favorite coach. Uh, this this rivalry, there there are a lot of classic moments from Coach Doherty in this rivalry. You talk about a dude that was invested in this rivalry for a very, very long time. Uh, personally, one of my favorite moments from him was him getting into it with Chris Duhon. Um, I know that's not a moment I, I think that Coach Doherty is, is is proud of at this point in his life, but I I just, I I mean, it, it shows just, you know, how this rivalry, you know, it, it has a lot of animosity on both sides as you were saying but again it's 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 a, it, there is a mutual respect between their two side the two sides because as we've said you know th- this is this is the greatest rivalry in sports i don't even think it's close to be honest with you because you look at just how you know the, the how close these teams have been in recent years the margin of victory that these two sides have against each other within i mean it was like the last 100 matchups now it's probably like the last 104 something like that matchups um it just doesn't get better than this and for you know carolina they are coming off a year where yeah they lost the first of these two of the two regular season matchups to duke but they found a way to do the impossible, which was beat Coach K in Cameron in his final game ever there. That was apparently an impossible feat coming into that week, considering that uh, at times I wondered if Carolina was even the team playing in that game. Um, they didn't even mention that Carolina was there. I think at, I, I think there was a point where they did believe that the, uh, the Duke players that were coming back to support Coach K were just going to suit up and play the current players. So Carolina found a way to win that one, and then they won the most important game in the history of the rivalry in the Final Four. Essentially, as many people have said, you know, ended the rivalry, and, you know, I, I think this will be, you know, a continuation, a new chapter of the rivalry. But there's no doubt that Carolina still holds that card over Duke, and forever will, unless they meet once again in the NCAA tournament, which they probably won't, considering, you know, they went how many years without doing so.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that name of Jason Capel because we didn't dive into this in the Pittsburgh recap. You bit. know
1: what? He's not even worth it, though. Well, and I, th- I think that was like, the
0: thing. Like, I want to, I want to address is that like. I didn't want to give that guy any more clout because at this point, that's all that guy wants. Is he wants people to I don't know, feel sorry for him because he wasn't a good uh he wasn't a very good basketball player. Like I know he was on the Final Four team in two thousand. I know he was on that team that made that magical run. Yeah, you were a bench warmer. Like last year's team that was also an eight seed in the tournament. But I mean like dude, you had Joseph Forte, Ed Coda, Julius Peppers on that on the on the floor. Those are the names that come to mind when whenever we relive that final four run. When we think of Jason Capel, we think of eight and twenty. We think of losing at home to Hampton. Hey man, he held that team together though. What a great
1: captain that team had. And I could see now why that team struggled as much as they did. Their captain was soft as baby dookie. Like All right. I, I mean, I just and and here's here's the other thing. Like, you take a run at Coach Doherty, by the way, currently a coach right now for Pittsburgh, uh, real great example for your players. Yep. So if they if they really wanted to and they wanted to call you out for being a terrible coach, they could go ahead and do that, right? Um which I mean, I got to be honest with you, <laughs> don't open that door cuz you think that some of the guys that have rolled through there in recent years prior to this year wouldn't say you were a garbage coach. Uh App State, dude, there's people in the App State program that think you almost ruined the basketball program. Almost took basketball away from that university. You were that damn shit, shitty. But Yeah. All right. He got yeah. He got me cranked up. But I mean, look, man. I just you're going after a dude in Matt Doherty. That look, people took exception to what he did in his time at Carolina. But Coach Doherty's a national champion. What the hell do you have to show for your career there? Nothing. You don't have anything. Apparently, the number 25 jersey, which most people forgot you even wore, dude. Like. I just, I don't really get it, man. I think, I mean, it's just, if you don't feel loved by the university, then great, man. Join a small list of guys. Like, if you want to be in the same category as Larry Drew, then go ahead and enjoy that. Because, I mean, if you're wanting to ride and die with your brother over there at Pittsburgh, yeah, enjoy that ride. Where where is that going to take you? A first-round tournament appearance? That's probably about it.
0: Yeah, it's just, um, I I think he wants people to feel sorry for him. And, and I think even as his own brother was admitting what got him, I guess, got, got his feelings hurt over a simple tweet from the, the social media account just promoting the game pretty much just goes to show you just how fraudulent of human beings the Capel brothers are um because it, it, he went on to say in that press conference that they don't use walk on players to promote basketball games and th- 3 games prior they used Jackson Watkins image to promote a basketball game and, and so it, it's just it's yeah, just really they, sad like instead of instead of him just doing what a lot of coaches would do in that moment which is celebrate the accomplishments of his players yep and do something which for that program, their third straight win in Chapel Hill, that, that that's pretty significant for a a program that's been pretty much a mouth breather since they joined the conference. Instead of relishing in the success of his players, he took a page out of his brother's book and made it about himself. And that's why Jason Capel's a coward. And I don't think many Tar Heel fans are really butthurt if he's exiled from the family yeah I'm not really devastated about losing that one I um, mean... and and you know that's just that's just where we are and we'll move on now to the more the, you know the more prominent task at hand which is beating Duke on Saturday night and um you know, Duke enters with a 16 and 6 record overall they are 7 and 4 in the ACC so a lot like Carolina um even though they didn't have the expectations of winning a national title or winning an ACC title they've underwhelmed in a lot of different uh aspects so far this season. Uh one thing about Duke as you could imagine though is they've yet to lose a home game. Um that that dominance at home in Cameron Indoor Stadium has carried over. Under John Shire. Um, One thing that's really weird about them is they only have two players that are averaging double figure scoring. That's Kyle Filipowski, who's been sensational as a freshman. Remember, Carolina was very, really involved in his his recruitment, uh, but he ended up in Durham instead of Chapel Hill. Uh, He's averaging 15.8 points, 9.5 rebounds, 1.4 assists, but he's doing so inefficiently, shooting 44% from the field and 29% from from three, I think he has like 11 double-doubles so far on the year. The other guy is the most important player on this roster. That's Jeremy Roach, 12.2 points, 2.5 rebounds, 3.1 assists. He's shooting 39% from the field and 34% from three. But the biggest reason why the scoring is the way that it is is just that, you know— th- Duke's freshmen have had a really hard time adapting to college basketball. That's one thing, you know, as much as we hated Coach K, what he did a really good job at doing with his guys was getting his young guys ready to to play and play at a high level. Like, Mark Mitchell is a fantastic athlete. He's averaging 9 points and 4 rebounds. Tyrese Proctor is emerging as a really big part of what this team's doing. Averaging, you know, 8.9 points. Derrick Whitehead. 8.4 points, and then arguably the most talented guy on the roster, Derek Lively, who of course has battled injuries and stuff through the like, just over four points and four rebounds per game. So even though the numbers maybe don't lend you to believe, this is still probably, just from a pure talent standpoint, the most talented roster Carolina has seen so far, and uh, after their win the other night. At home against Wake Forest, Duke is starting to play their best basketball of the season, something we thought about Carolina until they lost the other night to Pittsburgh. According to Joe Lenardi's latest NCAA tournament projections, uh, he does have Duke right now uh, slated to be a five seed in the tournament. And the biggest reason why Duke has really been able to put themselves in that position with all the injuries and the struggles on offense is they're only giving up 63.7 points per game, which is 40th in the country. But this is the best Duke defense—the best I've seen Duke defensively won the national title in 2015. Like, in recent years, when you've talked about their great teams, like the Zion team, the team that Carolina beat last year in Cameron and then eventually in the Final Four, they, they had no shortage of offensive firepower. Those teams could score 80, 90 points, roughly, in their sleep. Their biggest issue was they couldn't defend. And and that's kind of been the inverse this year, where it feels like Duke can can defend and and really compete with the best of them. But it's when their offense goes awry that this team really has a hard time competing with some of the nation's elite, like Kansas, Gonzaga, and some other teams in the country.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I, I think that's you know I, I think this is this is going to be a challenge without a doubt for Carolina. I think yeah that that's you're you're play they're playing their best basketball Carolina I, I I mean I don't know is Carolina playing their best basketball of the year at this point because no. they haven't really played great basketball all year so this might be their best basketball of the year but it still ain't great
0: it's still not good enough
1: so that's I mean that's the problem and you wonder as of right now will they be able to handle this Duke team because. I mean, look, this is a team that, once again, the roles are kind of reversed in this matchup in terms of depth, like Duke, much deeper team than Carolina. And, you know, the the good news is is that you're going to have a coach that's in his first game ever in this rivalry, but I I just, this is going to be... It, it, this is about as uneasy as i felt going into one of these games in a while. And to be honest with you, if you would have told me that a couple of weeks ago, I'd have laughed at you. I would have told you, well, why would we feel that way? Because Duke, Duke's not a good offensive team. They're really not. But at this point, I mean, look, Carolina just got held to 64 points by Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. So, I mean, I just... there It's hard to have... A lot of faith in this team. And as you mentioned, Kyle Filipowski is the guy that's going to be the biggest thing that Carolina has to take away, make somebody else beat you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jer- Jeremy Roach is playing better. Tyrese Proctor, as you said, is is starting to sort of round into form. They did something that you know we've been asking Carolina to do, uh, which is they've taken Jeremy Roach, which is basically their version of – Caleb Love and put him off ball they basically forced Tyrese Proctor to step up and be the primary ball handler we've seen it at times from Carolina with R.J. Davis but it hasn't been consistent enough and I mean in terms of Carolina biggest thing for me with Carolina right now is health because R.J. Davis the finger clearly bothering him who knows when that's going to be back to a point where he can score at the level that he was scoring before the other night against Pittsburgh and you still don't know anything about Puff Johnson. I mean as of right now I wouldn't even really hold hold your breath on Puff Johnson because he's not even warming up yet. So and we I mean we saw with Pete Nance when he was dealing with the back injury, Carolina had multiple games where they had him warm up and then simply did not play him. He's not even at that point yet. So I I mean, it's it's hard, you know, it's hard to be overly confident going into this game if you're a Toriel fan, especially after what we saw the other night against Pittsburgh. But this is still a team that's more than capable of turning it on. They found a way to do it last year, even at times when, you know, I mean, that game, remember that game in Durham a year ago, Carolina was not playing great by any stretch of the imagination. That was a game that a lot of people at the time felt like Carolina kind of had to win to solidify their NCAA tournament hopes. So they're used to being in that situation. But the thing is, you know, are they going to be able to pull from that? Because, I mean, we saw – the other night against Pittsburgh, man, they didn't learn anything from the first matchup. So are they going to be able to look back in time and try to recreate what they did against Duke if they if they weren't able to look back and adjust to issues that they saw just earlier on this season? I don't know.
0: I think that the thing about what makes the loss on Tuesday or on Wednesday so more frustrating is that I don't think Carolina was looking ahead to this game. Like, that's usually the biggest worry before the game, before the Duke game, is can you keep your team focused and engaged? I don't think Carolina didn't treat the Pittsburgh game the right way. I just think they got beat. And so now you've got to find a way to come off that, 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 that emotional low because this team was dejected, as they should have been, and then try to find the way to, to – and, I mean, look, when it comes to this game – it's, if, if you can't get up for it you probably got to check yourself as a competitor uh, that was a problem that this team had in the first matchup last year where they got completely overwhelmed at home by Duke you know in, in in a lot of different ways I don't I don't think people will be surprised if this Duke team in the moment is overwhelmed again because they're going through it with a first-time head coach like the diff like the, the reason why everyone just wrote Carolina off in the in the season finale last year was that you thought with all the experience Coach K had coaching in this rivalry and coaching in big games, his kids would be ready. Well, also that first matchup didn't really help Carolina's case heading in either. You know, you had that playing into it as well. And so I'm not with you where it's not that I feel uneasy about this game more so than I normally do because – I'm always uneasy going into this matchup. It is it is the most nervous two hours we experience as sports fans every time that these two teams lace it up. It's not that I'm uneasy. I just I think I'm, I'm kind of where I was this time last year, which is I don't know. I, I I might see good Carolina and good Carolina could go in here and beat them by twenty, or I could see bad Carolina and Carolina could go out and lose by twenty. And so it's it's really just more about. I didn't think we would do that with this team. I didn't think this team would be sitting here at fifteen and seven and seven and yeah, four. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw that coming. You, you know, I said it when we recapped the pick game. This is the most underwhelming team I've ever been. A, I've ever been a part of. Carolina's had much more worse seasons. They've entered this game with a lot more worse records, but this team has definitely been the most. Underwhelming, but the good news is is that they can draw back on that experience of winning in in Durham last year in, in a game that was kind of make or break for their season. And, you know, believe it or not, folks, Carolina's kind of in that same boat again right now where they've got to get some momentum. They've got to start stacking some some really good wins. Um, you know, the loss to Pittsburgh wasn't a bad loss but it was their first non-quad one loss. And so, you know, and when you only have one quad win right now, quad one win to your resume right now, you kind of got to start stacking them so it kind of outlies some losses outside of quad one play. Carolina still has four guys that are averaging double-figure scoring, still led by Armando Baycott's 17.7 points, 11.4 rebounds, 57%. 57%. Caleb Love is averaging 16.5 points, 3.6 rebounds, 3 assists. He's shooting 29% from the field, 39% from the field, 29% from three. R.J. Davis is averaging 16 points per game, 5 rebounds, 3.2 assists. He's shooting forty-five 44% from the field, 36% from three. Then you've got Pete Nance averaging 11 points, rebounds, 46% shooting from the field, and 34% from three. Carolina as a team does average 18.1 made free throws per game. That's fourth most in the country. They average 24.7 free throws attempted per game. That is fifth most in the country. And the Tar Heels do average 39.3 rebounds per game. That's 21st in the country. We take a look at the rivalry overall as a whole here. Um, just some of the really key notes. Um, Carolina does lead the all-time series, 143-115. to 115. Um, They do own the largest margin of victory in the series when they won by 37 points all the way back in 1921. You ever seen that footage, by the way? Fan- I have not. It's fantastic. Yeah. Crystal clear. High def. 4K. That's impressive, man. I that that did
1: somebody go back in time and get that, or I was just being smart, but oh, I know, I'm just kidding. Did you really? Were you not able to pick up on the sarcasm? I thought there? I did I a mean...
0: really good job selling you on the fact that there was footage from 1921.
1: I actually did believe that there was footage, but I thought that it would probably have to be looked at on one of those old-time movie reels that you would have to crank yourself or something like that.
0: Um, Carolina does own the longest win streak in the series of 16 games. That was back all the way in 1921 through 1928. In Durham, Carolina is a respectable 50-55 and all-time and they are 40 and 46 in historic Cameron Cameron Indoor Stadium. Is it too easy to say that the win last year was the the best your most favorite win over Duke in their building? I mean, pro no.
1: I mean, I would say that most people would probably agree with that because you ended I mean, it's got to be at at least in college basketball terms, it's your most hated person. It may be the most hated person for many Tar Heel fans in all of sports. Yes. So, yeah, I mean you you in front of 96 of his former players. In what was supposed to be a special moment for him, as I mentioned, a, a, an event that was covered as if Carolina was not even playing in the game, as if it was the Coach K Invitational. Um yeah, it's hard not to have that number one. I mean, look, there's there's plenty of other special moments that we talk about almost every year, but for last year to be as special as it was, I think it is just it, it's it's incredibly hard to top that.
0: Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. But you know, the thing about this one is that if Carolina goes into to, to Cameron and wins you you get to give John Shire uh, an L to start off the rivalry. And, I mean, look, these we're, we're two dudes that we grew up when John Shire was a big part of that Duke basketball team. I watched him win a national championship the year after. We won a national championship. Although Kyle Singler was probably the most hated Duke player on that national title team, uh, yes. Shire was right there with them because of some of his antics and stuff like that. I might have shared this story with you guys back earlier in the preseason when I covered ACC media days. But the radio station that I worked for, we had him on. And I was I was like the greeter for the station. And so when he came making his oh, way wow. to no, the uh, No
1: wonder these coaches don't want to talk to us this season.
0: When he made his way to the table to uh to, to talk with our guys, you know, I got up and, and introduced myself and shook his hand. And the best part about it was like when we shook hands and we looked each other in the eyes like men, I'm pretty sure he knew I hated his guts. <laughs> And that, and that gave me – that I had a sense of pride in that because even in the moment of utmost professionalism where I'm having to talk to a guy that I absolutely loathe and a guy that I absolutely want to kick his butt every time that my team was on the same floor as his team, he still knew that I hated him. And that, that's how I feel. Like, so many Tar Heel fans probably don't feel the same way about Duke now that Coach K is gone. Speak for yourselves because they hired a guy that I absolutely hate. So hating them is going to be a lot of fun with John Shire. He's He, he's, he makes faces on the sidelines that make you want to laugh at him. He's got a... Let's call it what it is. He's got a punchable face. He's got a face that deserves to be punched because I don't think God could make someone that naturally ugly. But that's what happened with John wow. Shire. Wow. And, and so. Fire and shots. You know, I'm I'm really excited because, you know, the media and we're a part of the media, but the media has told us for 10 years now this isn't the best rivalry in college basketball. That's Louisville, Kentucky. Even though they usually play it on a Friday at like two o'clock, uh, whereas this game is going to be I on a be Saturday honest. at six thirty, and the whole country watching.
1: I got to be honest. Did anybody? Does anybody right now remember the result of Kentucky, Louisville? Clearly, Kentucky won because Louisville is terrible. Although they did win last night, which is stunning. Should hang a banner. Um. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody knows anything about that rivalry. This rivalry. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure Kentucky people know
0: a lot about it.
1: I mean, but what I'm saying, I'm saying for this year. Oh. Does anybody rem- do, do you remember the result of that game offhand? No. No. Nationally, people will remember the result of this game, and I get it. Look, I, I'm, I'm with you definitely dislike shire i i don't i mean hate yeah i mean he's in that category i nothing will compare to coach k no nothing will
0: ever compare coach, but there's still some vitriol to wear i want to kick his butt and rub it in his face well of
1: course he's a former duke player and he looks he looks like a duke basketball player he looks like a typical guy that coach k recruited in the mid 2000s he fits that perfectly um But, I mean, look, it's – I know a lot of people are feeling that. That's one of the interesting things about this game. There are a lot of people that are probably going to be saying, yeah, you know, it just doesn't feel the the same heading in. Because, yeah, Coach K was a dude that – I mean, by this time, we would be lining up the rat jokes. We would be starting to throw those barbs out there. But – my thing is, is look, the rivalry is still there. It's mm-hmm. still you're still gonna see the back and forth between the players. There will be guys that you will that, that you probably don't know about their attitudes coming into this game that will get on your nerves during this game. One I mean, the one I already know, Derek Lively, yep, that's gonna be one of them right there. That's a dude that likes to talk a lot with not doing a whole lot. The stats show uh, you're one of the biggest busts to ever come through college basketball, brother. So, I, I mean, I I can't wait for it either because I think that you know this is this is Carolina's chance to pretty much wake the hell up this season. Like after this, if you lose this game, you you have to wonder based on following because if they lose this game, I personally. If they lose, I find it hard to believe they get blown out like they did in the first game last year. Mm -hmm. I don't see that happening. But if they lose, you then have to follow that game up at Wake Forest. You said it. A lot of desperation for Wake Forest. They badly need a win. And I mean, if for some reason Carolina goes 0-2 for in this stretch, you are talking about a team that probably is on the outside looking in from the NCAA tournament. Yep. And that is uh, just, I, I mean, there are no words to describe that. Going from a number one team in the country to possibly not even making the tournament field. That's in, that, I mean, that would be absolutely embarrassing. So the biggest way to prevent that from happening, and I think as you said, I, I think it's not, to me, if they lose this game, it's not to say, well, they're out they're, they're they're not gonna make the NCAA tournament eventually. You win this game. I find it really hard to believe you don't make the NCAA tournament field, really no matter what happens the rest of the way, unless you lose to like Notre Dame and couple it with a, a another bad loss or two down the stretch.
0: All right, guys, we have set the scene. We have got the, the the stage ready to renew college basketballs and sports' greatest rivalries. We're ready to write a new chapter with some ink. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings where you can go and use this promo code to make a bet on this game. And then when we come back, we'll give our keys to a Carolina victory over Duke. That's coming up next. On the Four Corners podcast, back after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win 200 free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no sweat, same game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. I use DraftKings Sportsbook all through the college football season, through the NFL playoffs, and I'll be sure to use the same thing with these same-game parlay features all at DraftKings Sportsbook for the remainder of the NBA season. Download the DraftKings app now and sign up with the code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With that promo code TPPN, minimum age and, and eligibility restrictions do apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Man, guys, we really hope you are making or are taking great advantage of all these great offers we've been giving you here on the Four Corners Podcast. Same for the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Get to DraftKings. Get to that app. Use those promo codes. Make make smart bets with those promo codes. Get cash back in your pockets as you bet on college basketball, the NBA, and Super Bowl Fifty Seven. Dude, Super Bowl
1: Fifty, some of the props, man. I'm not a betting man. I haven't been for a while until DraftKings came along and I signed up. Uh I may have to I may have to jump in on some of these prop bets, man. A few of these. Usually I'm a I'm a one
0: I'm a one bet type of guy, but I got to tell you, I'm pretty intrigued by some of these. So let's dive into our keys to to the game. And the first one I think is pretty obvious. And, you know, I have it listed as as Carol- as contained Filipowski. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and just broaden it. Carolina's got to win the battle on the inside um, because Derek Lively, who has underwhelmed for the majority of the year because of injuries and just dealing with the hype and expectations, he is starting to come on. But Duke's best player is Kyle Filipowski, Carolina's best player. Is Armando Becott. Yep. It feels like whichever of those two guys has the better game, you probably see that team coming out on the winning side. And, you know, I, I know you had some criticism for Armando Baycott following the pit game, and that was deserved. I mean, he was three of ten from the field. He missed six free throws and he had a costly travel at a point in the game where Carolina couldn't couldn't afford to turn the ball over. But this is the type of game he lives for. Uh-huh. Um this is the type I mean you know we're talking about his legacy and how he's still riding that and stuff like that. When I mean, you got to realize if if he goes in there and leads Carolina to victory, he goes 3 and 1 in Cameron I mean that's that's about as good as it can get unless you go four and like Tyler Hansbrough, Danny Green and those boys. And so, especially coming off a bad game the other night, you know he's going to be motivated. And he had a bad game and he still had a double double, like you know he was <laughs> seriously he yeah. Still, he still made winning plays to give Carolina a chance to win the game. And so I was talking about it with our P one today at, at the station, Colin Hogard, because defending Filipowski is going to be unique. Yep. You can't really put—you really shouldn't put Armando Bacot on him. The thing about Pete is Pete has done a really good job at times at being an individual defender. He suggested that we use Leaky Black, a guy that, you know, because if you put a smaller guy to guard a bigger guy, you know— on the you know the perception is that that doesn't work. It works really well because that smaller guy can get up into his body, get up into his chest, and really impact him and make him uncomfortable on the court, and get inside their head. They just can't let him get into any sort of an offensive rhythm. They did such a good job of that last year against Paulo Bancaro and AJ Griffin, two dudes that torched Carolina in Chapel Hill a year ago. In Cameron, they were able to flip the script. And so I think if Carolina rides their horse in Armando Baycott and just lets the big fella take them to victory, and on the flip side, they do what they got to do against Kyle uh, Filipowski— The the dude's going to get his fair share of points and rebounds. He's he's too doggone good a basketball player. But you can do some things to limit the impact he has, and I think as long as as Carolina wins the battle in the interior, I think that's step one into coming away with a much-needed win at Duke. Well, I think when it comes to taking away Filipowski, it's probably
1: a two-man job here. You're going to have to have times where— Pete Nance is on him, but yeah, you'd probably like Leaky Black to be the guy that, in in most cases, is the one guarding him, unless there is somebody else that is killing you, um, because I think, look, Pete should be able to handle Mark Mitchell, you would imagine. I mean, Mitchell's 6'8". Um, but, but, I mean, Pete is just going to have to come ready to play in this game. Uh, another game where not having Puff Johnson, and it seems like that's probably the direction that we're heading based on what I said earlier, that really hurts. Because if you had him in this game, you would feel like – t- you'd probably feel more confident at times to put him on Filipowski than to put Pete Nance on Filipowski. Um, but here's the thing about this matchup. Remember that last year – we had a similar dilemma with Brady Manic, mm-hmm. and we were we we were talking about it going into that final game of the regular season, and it worked itself out. Um, you know, I think one of the big things is is that look, the best way to to win this game for Carolina is to go in and score, force this Duke team to have to score with you, because they have proven so far this year. They are not a high-volume scoring team. They just aren't. So, that's the game plan. And, and as you said, you have to go through your guys inside. And you can do that one of two ways. The easiest one, feeding the post. Armando Baycott, yeah. I, I I was critical of how he performed the other night. And I think that, as you said, it was warranted. That doesn't mean that I don't think that Armando Baycott is a great player, but... <laughs> That doesn't mean that I don't think he's going to rebound in this game because I think he will. I think that's probably the worst thing that could have happened from a Duke standpoint is what is what he showed the other night against Pittsburgh. He had an off night. He knows it, and he's going to be motivated to bounce back, and will be doing it with the added motivation of playing in the Duke game for what we would for playing in Durham for what we would perceive. Will probably be the last time, right? I mean, we're kind of all there at this point. I don't know. Could be wrong. He could come back next year, but that's not guaranteed. So yeah, he's gonna want to leave there with a three and one record. So he'll be motivated. Key for him to have success in this game, gotta finish at the rim. I thought I thought the other night against Pittsburgh, one of the biggest issues, not only did he struggle from the foul line, he had multiple opportunities. To finish through contact And did not That's something that we talked about with him We needed to see improve this year And there have been moments where it has been improved But there's still a lot of times Where he just can't fight through that contact He's got to be able to do that in this game Because it's going to be a physical game Duke's got two big guys inside That are over 7 foot They're going to want to play physical So I think Carolina's got to be prepared for that And then the other way that Carolina gets points inside easily. They have to drive the ball. They have to drive the lane. We saw it yet again the other night against Pittsburgh when Carolina had their most success. It was when their guards were getting downhill. It has to happen. They settled way too much the other night from beyond the arc. You need to make it easy on yourself. Get to the rim, especially because R.J. Davis has the finger issue. It's, it's, it's clearly hurting his shooting ability right now and for Caleb Love look your most efficient shot as you showed the other night is when you get to the basket it opens everything else up so yes Carolina has to win this game inside on
0: both ends of the floor if they want to come out of Durham with a win the second key for Carolina and uh, I've got them to kind of well Lope together here. Uh, limit turnovers because we know that's been a problem for this team on the road. But also, they gotta limit their fouling. Um, they got called for 17 fouls the other night in that loss against Pittsburgh. And with no Puff Johnson right now, and you saw some some foul issues against Syracuse uh, last week as well. With without Puff Johnson right now, this bench is compromised. Um, it, it feels like the only guy that Huber Davis is comfortable playing off the bench no matter what is DeMarco Dunn. Everybody else, it just kind of goes game to game, I mean, whether that's Seth Trimble, uh Dontres Styles, Jalen Washington's role has gotten a little bit smaller here recently, and and so um, it feels like believe it or not, we're getting back to where we were kind of last year, where we only wanna play six or seven dudes. Well, to do that, you gotta stay out of foul trouble, and you know, I know Tar Heel fans are gonna have their 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 jokes about the whistle and Cameron and stuff like that um look Carolina's got their fair share of the whistle so far this season. I don't want to hear that you know you're not going to get any calls. I think the more aggressive team's going to get the calls in this game. And so Carolina's got to be able to play defense without fouling and adjust to the officiating if it is crap. Like that was that was a problem on Tuesday night. The officiating was horrendous. The officials went from allowing all sorts of contact to not allowing any, but Carolina didn't make that adjustment and you got to be able to that's what that's what good teams that's what teams with high basketball IQs do and so carolina's got to be able to do that and so i think that if they can limit the turnovers to you know no more than 12 like keep it in that 8 to 10 you know plateau and if they can stay out of foul trouble so their their best players baycott love davis nance and black can play 32 33 34 minutes i think that that'll go that'll go a long way because I just don't think Huber Davis trusts DeMarco Dunn, Seth Trimble, Jalen Washington to be on the court playing a big role in this game. No,
1: he's proven that the last few games, and I got to be honest with you, is there any reason to believe that he should trust those guys? They haven't exactly been great. I mean, Jalen Washington, I understand some of the animosity that people have towards his minutes being cut because I think for the most part he's done some good things but but really it's on the offensive end defensively we've seen there are times where he can get pushed around a bit um Seth Trimble man Seth Trimble looks like a freshman there is no other way to navigate it there have been times this year here during this stretch recently where when he's on the floor he just looks like I mean, he is he is out of control at times. He looks lost. And so you can't really blame Hubert Davis for not wanting to have him out there. So, yeah, you're down. Basically, you really only trust six guys. Because, yeah, DeMarco Dunn is the one guy that you trust off the bench right now. And this team isn't even as healthy as they were when they went to that's the, the, basically that six-man group a year ago. Because R.J. Davis is not fully healthy. So there's a lot of things that Carolina has to navigate. Staying out of foul trouble, absolutely crucial. Um, And hopefully you would imagine this game will not be called as tightly as that game was the other night against Pittsburgh. But you never really know. It's a rivalry matchup. Things can get chippy. I think that was part of the reason that the game was called as close as it was in that second half was because after the double technicals were issued – the referees were afraid of things getting out of hand, and so they decided, let's call every little thing possible. But, look, the the thing is, is don't even let the referees get involved in this game. That's, that's another big thing for Carolina, because a lot of people wanted to blame the refs as the reason that Carolina lost the other night to Pittsburgh. Wasn't the reason they lost to Pittsburgh. You were, you shouldn't have even, that team shouldn't have even been in the game. Yet again, you had a chance to put a team away and you failed to do it. So for Carolina, staying out of foul trouble, but avoiding, uh, avoiding getting into a situation where the referees could potentially hurt you. Because look, it's not just Carolina where we've seen officials be involved in games. in Duke. Was involved in one of those scenarios here recently with Kyle Filipowski being punched in the throat by MJ Collins, and we've seen other games so far throughout ACC conference play where people have had real issues with the officiating. The best way to avoid that is to you know be be have a comfortable lead late in the game, and yeah, I, I think it's more it's more than possible for Carolina to do that. Um, you know, and then I, I mean, in terms of how they handle the rotation, I just, I think, I think it's you're 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 going to try to play Demarco Dunn as uh, you know, at, at, at a pretty good clip to give some guys a little bit of a breather. But I think you got to just lean heavily on your five guys. I really do. I think this is one of those games where you have to just stick with your 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 starters for as long as you possibly can
0: and hope they can carry it a victory. The last thing for Carolina to give themselves a chance is they got to they got to take better shots. They shot 35% the other night against Pittsburgh. The biggest reason why they were 5 of 27 from behind the three-point line. And that's that's been a that's been something this team has struggled with um so far this season. They're on pace to be the third worst three-point shooting team in the history of the program. And the other two have also come within the last 4 years. <laughs> And and you know, it's not that they're Carolina has good shooters. They've got they've got good shot makers. They're just not making shots right now. And at, at some point, Hubert Davis has got to he's got to reel in how many three-pointers this team takes. Because the 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 settling for shots is a big reason why this offense has been as inefficient as it's been, you know, throughout the season. Look, you look at some of their Ken ratings and their offensive ratings and stuff like that. They're not bad, but they're not where they probably should be. When you look at the talent and the personnel that this that this Tar Heel team possess, and so this has got to be a game where Carolina can't fall in love with the three pointer if they've come out and they make a couple of them, like Caleb Love did the other night their 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 best offense is still playing downhill, forcing the issue, um getting the ball inside to Armando Baycott, drawing fouls and living at the foul line. It's the most efficient play in basketball. Is 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 a, is a foul shot. Um it is it's 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 that in college hoops, it's same for that in the NBA. And then allow that to work into your mid-range shots for R.J. Davis or your perimeter shots for, for, you know, Davis, Love, Nance, or, you know, whoever it is. And so um, I think if Carolina comes out and they attack this game the right way on offense, like they did last year in Cameron, they can exploit this Duke defense. Look, it's not going to be easy. Duke's a really, really good defensive team. You could say them in the same breath as Virginia State, Miami, Duke's that Duke is just as equally good as those teams are on the defensive end of the floor. So Carolina's got to help themselves, take good shots, take smart shots, and I think if they do that, they'll be rewarded with that ball going in the basket.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, look, the the thing that they have to do is is as I said earlier, they've got to get the ball inside, but I mean, they've got to be able to move the ball better than they did the other night. Uh, and that, you know, part of that goes, you know, with our into what does Armando Baycott do when he has the ball? Because the other night, it, credit to Pittsburgh, they doubled the hell out of him. And he did a, a, a. There were times where he just he, he backed himself into corners. Um, you know, one of them was was the the one on on the final offensive possession or the second to last offensive possession of the game for Carolina. Um, and, and he ends up turning the ball over, and it ultimately end up costing Carolina at the end of the day. So I I think you know they they have to be smarter with the ball in their hands because yeah, you, th- this is going to be a duke team. They're 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 an extremely good defensive team. They have to be. They have no choice because they're not the most efficient offense and they're going to try to force everything offensively to go into the hands of Leaky Black. That if if I'm Duke, that's my plan. Make Leaky Black be the guy that beats you out of everybody. So, yes, Carolina has to force the issue a little bit inside. They have to get creative with some of their ball screens to free guys up. That's just what has to happen in this game. There needs to be a solid offensive game plan from the coaching staff coming into this one. Because... Duke, an already good defensive team, is going to look back at that film from the other night. They're going to take some things that Pittsburgh was able to do successfully and add that to their game plan for this one. So the coaching staff has to have these guys prepared and ready to go. But really, you're right. Shot selection is going to be huge for Carolina. I think even more importantly for this one, you just have to make shots. The other night, you had some looks that you could have made. You just didn't knock him down. R.J. Davis is hurt. You kind of need him to be able to be the guy that we've seen that we saw before the other night, because, as I said, he was Carolina's second best offensive player. if not, at times their best offensive player for a majority of ACC play and you need him to be that guy that can hit the tough shots for you in this one. You need Caleb Love to sort of build off of the last two performances. He 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 looked good against Syracuse and I thought he looked even better in this game again, you know, the other night against Pittsburgh. Now you need him to take yet another step. You need a relatively efficient night from him and that will come if he is aggressive and drives the basket and takes what is given to him from beyond the arc because even the other even the other night it felt like there were times where he was forcing things from deep when if if he holds on to the basketball and eventually you know gets the ball back after a reset he could probably drive the lane and finish we saw that, that Carolina was able to do that late in the game they didn't do enough of that early and then you need, You need Pete Nance to hit some shots in this one. Last two games, he's knocked down some tough shots, but you need Pete Nance to be consistent on the offensive end of the floor for you. You need one of his better performances of the season where he not only hits those tough shots, but finds ways to knock down those easy looks that just haven't seemed to be able to go. And you need him to start knocking some shots down from the outside. It can't just be one a game for him. In this one, you're going to need two, three from him because it can't be like the other night where the only three that Carolina knocked down was from Caleb Love. So to me, not only is it shot selection, you have to couple that with knocking down those good opportunities that you get. I, I think Carolina will be up to the task in this game, because of what we saw the other night. This is not a, a a terrible shooting team overall from the field. It's just from beyond the arc, they've struggled this year.
0: Carolina Anders with a 30.7% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. And look, I think Carolina's gonna win the game because I think they know if they don't win the game, their season really hangs in the balance. And then the, what 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 was what is right now being labeled as an underwhelming season can quickly become a lost season and a season that no one's going to want to remember uh, because there was just so much excitement and hope around the team and the program entering this season. Um, I, I think this game will be eerily similar to the one we saw last year. I usually think when these two teams play, you see the best brand of of what college basketball is supposed to be. I think you'll see really good offense. I think you'll see high-level defense. I think you'll see a great pace to the game. Um, You know that crowd is going to be jazzed up and fired up. Um, to cheer on John Shire in his first edition of the rivalry. But I also think this Tar Heel team can can draw off of the experience they had last year going into that building and winning. And then, you know, e- e- even even, uh, even more so, this team's won, won their last two games on the road. And that win at Syracuse, I think at some point, is going to show up in a road victory because that was a tough win against an opponent that needed a win. And in a in a, in a, an environment that was extremely hostile, and in a, a game that was as physical a game that Carolina has played so far this season, and so I think all that stuff culminates. I do think they're they want to bounce back after the uh, another disappointing loss to Pittsburgh earlier in the week, and I do think Carolina will emerge from Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, victorious, leading to another storming on Franklin Street. I agree with you. I think that
1: maybe this is one of those occurrences where when you look back at this game and hopefully just the rest of the season, that loss to Pittsburgh might be the best thing that happened to this Carolina team. It was last year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it, it was last year. It was a year ago. Um, And, and I think it, it has a chance to be that again because... I think that could be a motivating factor for this game on top of the fact that it is this rivalry. It is John Shire's first game in this rivalry. I think you're going to see a bounce-back performance from Armando Baycott. I think, as I said earlier, that was the worst thing for you to see as a Duke fan was him struggle the other night, the game before Duke, and now he's going to have... That, you know, coming off that performance that he's going to want to bounce back from, not to mention playing the team that he hates the most, a a true Tar Heel through and through. So I think you're going to see a big performance from him. I think R.J. Davis, you know, he he struggled the last two games because that finger's been bothering him. But I think this will be one of those games where he's going to show why we've called him a tough little nut at times. I think he'll get to the basket, he'll finish through contact, and he'll have a bounce-back performance. And I really do think you're starting to see some signs from Caleb Love. I think there'll still be some moments where we'll want to pull out our hair or punch the television or punch each other. But I think that you'll still see enough moments from him. It feels like he's getting him enough of a rhythm to where Carolina will be able to trust him when they need him late. I think Carolina does a good enough job against Howski. I, I think, look, Leaky Black has been good defensively this year. He hasn't been the Leaky Black that we saw defensively at the end of the year last year. I think he's going to want to prove that he is still a high-level defender. And I think he comes out, he performs well in this one. I think Carolina slows down Duke and hands Duke not only John Shire's first loss in this rivalry, but also Duke's first loss at home this season. I think Carolina goes in there and gets the victory. It will be yet another close one, so make sure you take the bear aspirin just to be prepared.
0: No matter if Carolina wins or loses on Saturday night, we'll have you covered at HeelToughBlog.com where there'll be a preview of the game. Uh, on the website. And then, of course, there will be a recap posted up on the website as well as I continue to take you through the remainder of the basketball season. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Uh, every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and you will find us. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast, but more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that guys, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting. With me, I want to thank you guys for listening and as always, go Tar Heels and go to hell Duke. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.